Well, three years ago, in the days before the last Alberta election, Canada's longest surviving political dynasty was said to be in big trouble. Not so much. They won a majority. Now, days before the next election, they're said to be in trouble again. Some analysts suggest they're running third, and the NDP is in the lead. The NDP in Alberta. Really? Andrew and Bruce are in Toronto tonight. Chantel is in Montreal. And Kathleen Petty <laughs> is going to sort all this out for us from Calgary. What is going on there, Kathleen? Talk about setting me up, Peter. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you want me to sort this out, do you? Well, I think I would start by saying it's, um, it's sort of the fear and loathing campaign because you really get a sense that uh, you've got uh, one side, that would be the PCs, trying to create fear because it worked so well for them in 2012 against the Wild Rose. And then there's this sense of loathing with a government that's been in power for, well, an awfully long time, as you pointed out, 44 years. And, you know, this is the youngest population in the country. So just to put it in context, the average age here, the median age, more correctly, is 36.5 years. So imagine the median age. So the vast majority of the people in this province have never seen anyone uh, but a PC in power. And uh, more and more, despite some skepticism about the polls and who can blame people after 2012, I think they're starting to believe it's possible. Well, you know, just pick up on that poll point for a minute, Kathleen, because, you know, we all remember 2012 and those polls, but there's a certain consistency to these polls now. Yeah. And, and people are seeming to kind of accept it, that they must be right. Well, and I think part of it, too, is that it's a different split, Peter, right? Uh, because the Tories were running against uh, opposition on their right flank. Now they're running uh, with competitors on both flanks. And particularly in this city, in Calgary, it's the splits that are really going to tell the tale. I think uh, the, the wave, as we now tend to call these, uh, these uh, surging NDP campaigns, as we've seen in, in Quebec is pretty definitive, I think, in Edmonton. But it's going to be battleground Calgary for sure, and no one knows how those splits will go. Well, a lot of people talk in minority government. Somebody's minority. Can't quite figure it out from there. Okay, well, let's... they had Nenshi is doing that, in That's fact. Right. He predicted a PC minority today. And he said nice things about all the leaders, just uh, hedging his bets there. Okay, Indeed. let's bring these Easterners in and see what they think <laughs> of all this. Andrew, do you want to start us? Uh, I think uh, this is pretty clearly becoming a referendum on the government, uh, and the, referendum, the, the yes side of that uh, question is not doing very well. I think two things are happening. One is a lot of those voters that, that deserted the Liberals last time around in favor of Alison Redford's Conservatives are now deserting the Conservatives in favor of the NDP. And I think there's a second group of voters, perhaps, who were parking their vote, perhaps, with the Wild Rose, uh, but were definitely anti-PC, were parking that vote with the Wild Rose, watched the leaders in the election debate, decided that Brian Jean was not ready, and have, have gone to uh, Rachel Notley, who performed very well in that debate. It shows you the importance of leadership. It shows you that uh, there's a group of voters who are bound and determined to get rid of this government. They're looking for the best available vehicle to do that, and a critical mass of them have decided that the NDP is the best vehicle. So it's, in a way, it's a little bit like that 2011 federal election when people wanted to get rid of the Black Québécois in Quebec, and the NDP was the best vehicle to do it. Chantel? It, it does feel a bit like uh, what we saw here in 2011, but uh, it also feels like how Jean Chrétien won his uh, three successive majorities in the sense that you have a, a split conservative movement, two parties for the conservatives, and one leader who, whose party and leader dominates the non-conservative field. 
uh, and on that basis, you know, I think there are probably Tories who would rather have the NDP than the Wild Rose, uh, and Wild Rose obviously would rather have anybody but the Tories. So the dynamics are so different from last time. It's kind of fascinating to watch, and it will impact on, on the federal conversation at some point. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But fascination is clearly the, the order of the day. Bruce? Well, Peter, we're often uh, talking about debates and saying nothing really happened in a debate. And I think it's probably fair to say that something did happen in this debate. And what was revealed in the exchange between Mr. Prentice, a very seasoned, experienced politician, and Ms. Notley, was a bad moment for Mr. Prentice. Okay, just before you pick up on that, let's watch it. Because for a lot of Canadians who haven't seen it, it's quite something. Watch this. The last thing that we need are NDP policies that are going to damage our competitiveness. Things like a royalty review, a 20% corporate income tax, which would give us a higher corporate tax rate than BC what or are you Ontario talking about? Our, or our Quebec. Our proposed corporate tax how rate you is 12%. To I'm not how, sure who's you briefing you, but I, I just do need to clarify that 10 that's to absolutely incorrect. I know that, I know that math 20%. is difficult, but no, no. If you're saying 10 to 12% is a 20% increase. You said a 20% no. tax. If I might, say increase. If so I, might I just increase. need to make that clear that we're not proposing a 20% corporate tax. That would be ridiculous. If I might carry on. Well, his math was wrong, his tone was wrong, and what I think it really did, the substance of that particular debate, he made a, a mistake and he, he acknowledged that, I guess, the next uh, day or maybe even later in the debate. But what he really did is reveal just how tentative the willingness to suspend that instinct to throw the Conservatives out, that voters were saying, yes, Jim Prentice, we kind of like the idea of you, but we're really, really tired of this party. And... I guess it was the manner, the tone, the sense of we're in charge here and we know all of the information that people need to know who make big, important decisions for you in government. And if you're not one of us, you can't possibly know that. And I think voters in Alberta probably took a look at that and said, that's the tone that yeah. we really want to see out of here. And, yeah. and, you know, Bruce, if I can just pick up on that, I, y you can tell that that narrative actually about sort of Jim Prentice and and how Albertans feel about him and their sort of, um, I don't know how comfortable they are with him. And after that look in the mirror comment, I, for me, that, that's when really things started to turn because leading up to that comment, he spent a lot of time explaining how he wasn't part of the problem. He wasn't here. He was somewhere else. It was other people that made those mistakes. It was past governments that made those mistakes. So that when he was asked to reply to the question, why are we in so much trouble uh, financially, and he suggested people needed to look in the mirror, uh, the, the suggestion was everyone but him needed to look in the mirror. So add to that, then I, I think um, the poor reaction from Albertans generally about not just at the Wild Rose Cross, but I think they sort of felt there was something very cynical and arrogant about the way that happened. And then, you know, Daniel Smith sort of get shunted aside, there's no protection of her, and although they're not happy with Smith, I think they were more unhappy with Jim Prentice in terms of how she was treated, and then he calls an election when the Wild Rose does not have a leader, and, uh, and, and the Liberals were looking for a new leader. So there's a cynicism, I think, yes. that people attach to that that's really had an impact. You've seen this in a number of recent elections where voters are, are a little bit fed up with people who are too clever by half. Uh, and this kind of calculation system, particularly for a guy who's coming into a party that has all that reputation, all that baggage already, he's supposed to be the guy who's going to change all that, and he calls a quick election, 
He brings forward a budget that was not anything like what he'd said it was going to be about. He does this uh, rather too clever thing with the wild roads, and it all adds up, I think, to a certain revulsion, uh, like, again, amongst a certain section of the electorate. We probably but he's also, he's also the third leader since Ralph Klein, right? So it's mm -hmm. not as if the party had put forward uh, a lot of intellectual strength when you need three leaders to get you through uh, a yes. few years. It's also a sign of aging. We probably shouldn't underestimate the performance that Ms. Notley has had during That's this right. campaign. She's been a very effective campaigner. Yeah. She was effective in that debate. And she's de-risking for a lot of people this idea of an NDP government in the most conservative province in the country. Whether, you know, people would have gone broke betting against the conservatives in Alberta elections had they been doing it for 40-odd years. But what, so whether or not it finishes the way it looks like it could finish right now, she's definitely had an impact. And she's opened up for Albertans this notion that you can have change that doesn't come in a socially conservative package. Now, yes. I know Brian Jean has been trying to say, my Wild Rose Party isn't going to legislate social conservatism, but it's still a party that had a lot of that thinking, and it was one of the reasons, of course, why Danielle Smith left. All right. I, I, I want to get to the point that uh, Chantel raised earlier, and that is the impact that this could have, whatever does happen on Tuesday in Alberta, that it could have federally. Um, the NDP, at least some of uh, Snotley's candidates, obviously didn't uh, think they, they had a chance of winning because they're also they're double nominated. They're, mm -hmm. they're running federally as well. And if some of them win, obviously that's going to create some new openings. But uh, Kathleen, you, you start us. What's the lesson for what's going on in Alberta here for federal politicians uh, campaigning in that province? Or is there one at all? Is it a completely different game? Oh, I think it's a completely different game. Although, if, if I were Tom Mulcair, I'd be spinning the crap out of this. <laughs> if, they, if they do as well as we think they're going to do. And there's always a way to do it, we all know. Uh, but, you know, that, that whole sort of comparison to Quebec, I was, you know, plugging a meter the other day. heard a couple of people behind me talking. I eavesdropped. Uh, young people, and they were talking about the NDP and wondering if it was going to be like Quebec. In other words, are there placeholder candidates? who are in the university, in fact, there are, <laughs> because, um, you know, they wanted to make sure they were running in every riding. So, that, you know, these comparisons are being made. And there's a radio ad today, by the way, and it's for the Tories. And the, it begins with uh, an NDP government is closer than you think. But what's interesting about it going on is they talk about the NDP in British Columbia. And, oh, you don't want to be going there. So the, the comparisons to other parts of the country... Uh, is very much a part of the conversation. Have they been playing the 1990 Ontario card here yet? Where the, where the Ontario suddenly woke up to an NDP government? But that... Do you know what? Well, we actually had analysis about that uh, on our website that did extremely well by a local pollster making exactly those parallels. It is interesting that in this election, the, the NDP appears to be the least scary option to people. Uh, people are scared of maintaining this dynasty still longer on its, when, it's, when it's past its sell-by date. They're scared for various reasons about the Wild Rose. It shows you the importance of leadership, that Rachel Nott was able to present a very appealing, very likable, very you know, steady-as-she-goes type of approach. People can glom onto that. I do think there's particular circumstances in which this is happening that don't necessarily transfer to the federal thing, but it does show you uh, people aren't terribly ideological. It's not that Dolbertons have suddenly you know, gone turned into raving lefties, but... But in the right circumstances, with the right leader, they're going to they're follow that leader. Just think about what you just said. You know, like, could any of us ever imagine thinking this way? Even, even yeah, just months ago, Chantal. Same in Quebec. But Peter, yeah. Peter, what matters... Well, first, let's set Quebec aside. I think when Quebec goes NDP and kicks out the bloc, 
uh, people aren't thinking that Quebec voters are necessarily picking a future federal government. Uh, but when Albertans do that, I don't think it means Thomas Mulcair will carry Alberta in the next election. I don't expect that at all. But it sends a powerful message to voters outside Quebec in particular that even Albertans are not scared of the NDP to run their province. So why would you be scared of Thomas Mulcair? I think that's a big asset uh, in Ontario and elsewhere to the NDP and probably a bit of a loss to the Liberal message. All right. Yeah. The last word goes to Bruce. I think right. there are a couple of other implications. I do think that this is a situation, again, reminding us that campaigns matter and mm -hmm. that things can be quite tumultuous in campaigns. We're in a period where there's lower engagement, so more swings can happen. And, of course, there's a reminder, I think, for the federal conservatives that incumbency builds up a certain sense of confidence that you know what you're doing, but you cross that line into arrogance and you run... Uh, uh, you run some very significant risks, and I think that's what's happening right now to the Conservatives there. All right. Good conversation. We'll see what, we'll see what happens <laughs> on Tuesday and how much of this we've got to take back. <laughs> Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us. Great to see you again. It was my pleasure, Peter. Thank Chantel you. Chantel in Montreal tonight, Andrew and Bruce here in Toronto.